Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back. We're really excited. We have um, part two of our interview with Rebecca Scritchfield. So if you did not listen to last week, you should definitely listen to that yeah. first because we're going to be right in the middle of it. But um, again, I'm just so excited about this interview. This is probably, probably one of my like top five interviews we've done. It's just, I, I freaking love her and I didn't think she'd say yes. And she said yes, and it's great. So I hope you listen. I hope you get a lot out of it. And are we doing a giveaway of body kindness? We might be. We might be doing a giveaway of the body kindness <laughs> book. So I think if you're resonating with this message... Yeah. And been curious about her book, you should just pay attention to our Instagram and our Facebook. Yep. I just think that's what you should probably do. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if like you have an Amazon problem and like your husband's like, if you order one more book, like I'm going to lose my mind because <laughs> they just stack around your house and you're like, but I'm going to read it. See, we'll buy it for you. And then, you know, you don't even have to have that conversation. So yeah. <laughs> assume you're all like us. Yeah. We're, we're just assuming that, that you all have the same problem we do. <laughs> All right. Okay. So enjoy. And pay attention to the social media. Bye. I would say this work is it's very hard work and it's countercultural. It's really difficult. But I think it's just been invaluable to me. I mean, it has changed my life. I'm more in tune with myself. I'm more present with my people. I'm not numbing out with food and I'm a, my other background is a chef and it's been really interesting to go from like, I don't think you can really love something you're abusing. And mm. I was abusing food for a long time. And I feel mm-hmm. like now I have this like real tender love and appreciation for it that I didn't have when I was mindlessly consuming it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you know, and a lot of the This isn't for everybody, but for people who have a history of following diets, the restriction leads to that, the urgent need to eat and the rebellion and the mindless consumption. So in, in sort of, you know, what I would tell listeners is don't expect to be able to hold on to restriction and then just eat more mindfully or like, right. you know, oh, if I sniff lavender oil, I can stay restrictive and sniff lavender oil and I'll lose weight and everything will be fine, right? That yes. it's not, it really is like what you're saying. It is an evolution. Literally, yes. the universal body kindness question is, you know, does this help me create a better life? And that's a question I want you to just start asking. Like, what do I, what do I think I want? for a better life? What choices will help me create a better life? And, and it's supposed to help reduce the feelings of shame and the judgment and the picking around every little thing that we're doing and more say, let's just be curious for a minute. What's bothering us about the way we care about ourselves. And and when, and I'm using we as like, you're literally talking to your caregiver, yeah. right? Let's be curious. Let's talk about what's bothering and let's work at change from there. I fully expect that it, it is, I would say a couple things. Number one, you are, you're still going to be in diet culture, even when you pick up body kindness and start trying, like we're all in diet culture. Yeah. So for people who are look like, okay, so now I need to not participate in diet culture at all. So now I'm never going to the gym again because people at the gym are only there because they want to lose weight. It's like, 
Well, look, I take a break from the gym if you feel like that there's a burden where you always have to go or if you're over exercising. Absolutely. But if there are benefits you get out of moving your body, like sleeping and mood, like you don't have to shame yourself that you're opting into diet culture because, you know, you went to a class. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally do get to choose your preferences there. Um, And so, but it can be very confusing. You know, you're in the produce aisle. Wait a minute, I'm having memories of Whole30. You know, acknowledge those thoughts. If you want to get angry, get angry at diet culture. Like, gosh, they ruined broccoli for me. What do I like about it? Well, it's good roasted. It's actually good with salt and butter at the end. So like, yeah, I'm going to buy some broccoli, roast it up, you know, olive oil, salt, pepper, and then just like, I like a little bit of butter at the end of my broccoli and this is yummy, you know? Um, and, and, and that preferences matter, you know? So it's that your preferences and your desires and experiencing pleasure with food is a good thing. And that you will probably not probably, I mean, I guess I would say most everyone I've ever talked to still has a weight concern still hopes they will lose weight and they're thinking they're doing it wrong because those desires aren't going away immediately. And if anything, sometimes the voice gets a little louder, Mm. like with fear, like, but what about the weight loss goal? Oh, but what about, and then they'll use things in life, but your doctor said, but you know, and it's thank you mind. Yes, I have a weight concern. Yes, I'm struggling with my body image. And right now in the present moment, I am, you know, reading chapter one, <laughs> you know, I'm making my body kindness manifesto based on what I think right now. So, so just connect and redirect to that voice. Uh, it's brilliant when a person can say, I love my body and I want to take care of it almost every hour of the day. And I really don't care about how I'm showing up in the world, weight, shape, appearance. I love hearing that, but I don't want listeners to feel like body kindness isn't for them or that they're doing it wrong, or that it's hopeless if they are come to it with a weight concern or with a body image yeah. issue. I, in fact, I fully expect it because of all of our experiences. We're bringing all yeah. our experiences to the table. Yeah. And it was something you were talking about Whole30 and kind of being traumatized by diets <laughs> and stuff. Um, can you talk a little about, so our culture, we've it's kind of like passe to say the word diet, right? Now we're all like, oh, I'm changing my lifestyle. Mm. I'm pursuing health or, you know, and we have like all these different eating plans, which are essentially diets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think now I think the pendulum has swung where like, if I'm eating anything that is not contributing to my health, that isn't super like nutrient dense, then that's not a good choice. And this Mm -hmm. orthorexia thing has developed. Can you talk a little bit about just that whole thing and how, because I mean, I I experienced that too, like on Weight Watchers, you know, there's like free foods and Mm -hmm. I would eat so many of those. And I actually really liked a lot of them. But then when I stopped dieting, I was like, I, it was like with the broccoli, I was like, I love broccoli, but I'm just really sick of eating chicken and broccoli all the time. Like I'm tired of it and I couldn't eat it for a while. And I do now, but it's been like a very, I feel like the pendulum's one way, it goes the other, and I'm like sort of in the middle. But that yep. that whole mindset of like sometimes when you stop, you're just like, I don't ever want to see kale again. Like I'm just gonna throw <laughs> up, you know? My husband used to call it the kale pillow. (laughs) And, you know, I remember growing up, I worked um, at a restaurant like Ponderosa Steakhouse in Northeast Ohio. And you put it on the salad bar? Is that what you're going to say? 
Well, you well, it, where it was like the decoration was yeah. it was like a slice of yes. orange and a piece of kale. Yes. Nobody ever ate it. Yes, and now yeah, <laughs> it's like is this thing edible? You know, we didn't touch it. Um, yeah, so you know, this is the big mistake I think folks are made are making here is. We're still looking at individual foods and individual choices, and we're still going back to that good or bad. Is this good or bad? And then am I good or bad? It's a human nature thing. It's just a way that we literally, our brain, um, our, our most you know primitive brain, it thinks in that dichotomy. Am I safe or am I in danger? Am I good or am I bad? So it's it's going to be there. It's just in the cultural context, it's using it around food and appearance and everything. But it's, that is always going to happen. We're going to be drawn to the dichotomy. But what I would encourage you to do is stop and think about establishing some values around healthy eating patterns. And what would healthy eating patterns look like to you? And in, in body kindness in the food chapter, I try to give some guides for that. So for example, I'll talk about a three-legged stool of, of a guide for eating, like being hungry. And that's to help promote attunement. That's not eat only when you're hungry. That would be a hunger and fullness diet, right? Um, it's but noticing your hunger and saying that this is a need for nourishment and energy right? That that's a sign to stop what I'm doing and take care of myself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and to even experiment with the beautiful variations of hunger look like. Um, the second is balance your plate. And in there, that's one where I have one of my infographics where it's like, yeah, we sort of have that sort of like A plus nutrition looks like a Weight Watchers plate that we all know um, about where it's like half plate vegetables, right? <laughs> you know, And then this and that. And it's, the thing of it is, when you look at that balanced plate, it does put a priority. That might be a plate where you're thinking about nutrition in that meal, mm-hmm. right? So when you mention that salmon salad, right? Here's my protein, here's my veggies, and whether there was a roll or some chickpeas or quinoa or, or some component that helped provide a grain, right? That that might be a balanced plate. And again, your diet mind might be like, oh, I remember from Whole30 approved. You know, it's like be a rebel and buy the non-Whole30 approved salad dressing and put that on you know but but there's variations on what balancing your plate means and then I've been saying the books like there's also a plate that I didn't draw a picture of because it's eating whatever you want because not every meal has to be putting nutrition first or even thinking about nutrition and so that that would be an example of this healthy eating pattern so when you talk about you know I don't know this food this brownie right or these cheese it's like notice, oh, there you go, mind, you're going back to that good and bad food. That's a diet culture memory. You know, I want to be the kind of person who, so there's your value statement, Mm -hmm. who focuses on eating patterns, right? And so I'm really enjoying this brownie for some nourishment and some energy. And it's really yummy. And it's just what I need right now. You know, whether it's a moment with your girls or just because, yeah, craving, luteal phase of the menstrual cycle. Woohoo! Celebrate <laughs> chocolate. Love it. You know, it, 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 but you see that powerful reframe? Yeah. It yeah. is part of your healthy eating pattern. And, 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 you know, the word health, and I still, there's some words I haven't let go of. So I don't even like the word wellness. I definitely don't like diet. I don't like the word wellness even just because it's been co-opted. Thanks, goop, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but I'm still, I still like well-being, you know, well-being is mind and body to Mm. me. Well-being is still, I want to be good to myself and that I, I consider my mental health, right? My fight with food, my fight with body, you know, my fight with all these moral values around all those things if that's impacting my mental health, I want to make that a priority and I want to heal those things. It just as important as going in the doctor and the doctor talking to me about family history of diabetes, yeah. right? Because I can live a good life with diabetes. There's treatment with that. If I ever get diabetes, I can live a good life with diabetes. But can I live a good life being at war with my body and with food, mm. you know? And I, that's what I love about your work is just that you focus on all the aspects of health and I think in our culture, we pretty much main like, and that's changing. Thankfully, mm-hmm. we're, we're focusing more on mental and emotional health and well-being. Um, but for a long time, health has purely been seen as physical. Like when you say, are you healthy? Most people would say, talk about their body, right? Like most people wouldn't be like, well, I'm happy today or whatever it is. So I think I love that whole kind of perspective because I think a lot of times, or at least for me, I didn't really realize the impact it was having on my mental health until I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized and I was like, wow, like it is really exhausting to like hate yourself all the time and to constantly <laughs> criticize and like be hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about like stress hormones and adrenaline and energy. It was like that hyper vigilance of like, I'm going to a party. What food are they going to have? What can I eat? How many can I eat? How many points is that? And just that constant, like not being able to go out with your friends. Cause you can't get like the rice at PF Chang's or like just whatever. It's just, it's, it, it really does have a negative impact on your well-being, but I think we're all so used to it and it's so normal. And in fact, with, with women, I think it's such a bonding thing yeah. to talk about what diet are you on, yeah. to like criticize our bodies in the mirror and poke at each other and be like, well, my, my thighs are bigger than yours. Well, no, but at least you have a good butt. Or it's, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. So I think that's like the other thing too, is like, we have to recognize what is it doing for us, I think. Because I don't think we do things that don't have a purpose. So like what are, for me, a lot of the dieting was giving me a sense of control. Mm -hmm. It was also, I I bonded with friends. It sort of made me feel like I was part of this female cohort in my Mm -hmm. 20s where this is what we did. And if I didn't do it, it would have felt like I was not in the group Mm -hmm. or didn't fit in. Mm -hmm. And belonging is so important because it's a basic human need. As I'll tell clients, look, loneliness is worse for you than cupcakes. Right. (laughs) Right? No, it is. It's true. We laugh because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And even when we think about loneliness, we imagine like an elderly person whose kids have forgotten about them and partner passed away, right? It's actually not true. It's actually... um, married women with kids who are some of the loneliest people in the world. You know, you're giving, 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 and I don't want to bother them. Um, And and it's a basic human need. That's why there's a part four where you belong. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but I do want to offer some amount of empowerment um, in the sense of it is okay to think about meeting your own needs and to start on a path that might be different from people who are in your group. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in the beginning you might, you know, um, stop and think of a phrase kind of, well, let me do me, let me go ahead and I'm still part of this group, but every, 
everything that they say and do doesn't have to be helpful to me, doesn't have to apply to me. I'm really curious about you know, these values that I want to drive around being kind to myself and taking care of myself. And what you will, as you stay focused on that and let me do me, you might see an opportunity to share some of what you're doing to people who are curious in your group. And you, if you are interested in offering that labor, you can talk about, well, you know, this is something that has bothered me and this is what I would do. And I found it to be problematic. And here's what I worked on changing. And I really found a sense of trust and freedom and vitality and just goodness that for me, this is what really um, is making a difference. And what you might start to notice is as you share for people who matter, if anything, that the more like, wow, how can I get what you have? You know, so, but in the beginning, it might feel like you're separating and that might feel scary. And also you might have a fear that, well, what if they judge me for these things? Or, you know, um, what if it's too hard to be around them? And those are good, important questions, but those are relationship questions that you yeah. can answer when they're, when it's a good time, you know, cause in the end relationships are mutual agreements where, you might have a best friend who is so happy, always going on and off diets and just has never seemed to develop the problems that you've had. And so do you need them to be exactly where you are for yeah. you to have a good life and for them to have a good life and for you to stay friends? Maybe not. But right now, you've got to do your own healing, Yeah, you know, before you can really make some of those bigger choices. You don't need to control everyone else. Right. So let yourself feel uncomfortable kind of being in that group when you know you're kind of like doing something different. You, you need some time to heal. And if ever it's like, I just can't be in that group right now, it's okay to like decline an invitation and, you know, just simply, you know, I have another appointment. I have something else I need to do. And that something else could be laying on your back with lavender oil. You know, you're not a bad <laughs> friend. <laughs> right. But it's just, you're just kind of giving yourself a little bit of space. Let me do me. And, you know, the people who really matter will be able to understand what I'm doing and why. Um, in due time. And if not, well, then we can have a conversation about what that means about this relationship. And, and yeah, hard things might be coming down the road. But in the end, if you never kind of put one foot in front of the other and let yourself evolve, then you don't really know how good your life could be. And you've got to do that work. And then you figure out how you communicate this to um, you know, other people who might not be in your house or in your tightest network who actually really do need to know because, you know, um, you know, you need to ask them to sort of stop talking about points and yeah. calories and weight loss around you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a word. I mean, it, cause it really, it does go back to our motives and just like, in surrendering our life, I mean, this is a very Christian thing to say, but in surrendering our life, we find it. And I think in the same way in surrendering our body and just saying, like, I can't control, like, you are what you are. Like, I remember I did 23andMe and I, um, it said I was genetically predisposed to weigh more. And I was like, thank you. I know. Thank you. Thank you for validating <laughs> me. But it was like, and it's such a silly thing. And like, I know 23andMe is problematic, but um, 
it was just such a silly thing, but it really felt so validating. And it gave me this piece of like, you know what, like, maybe this is just how my body is. Maybe this is just how I am. And like, and in not fighting it, I've begun to appreciate it. And I've yeah. begun to like, be like, wow, you know, what? I did have twins, you know, I've done stuff. I'm, I'm a strong person, like physically, mentally, like, and it's just been, but I had to go through that horrible process of what feels like giving up control and giving up control of my life, which is what we're supposed to do to God, right? We're supposed to give our lives over, hand them over, open arms and say, here it is. And that's terrifying. And a lot of us suck at it. We don't do it very well all the time. And I had to do the same thing with my body. But in doing that, I feel like I've, I've gotten it back and I'm more mm. in tune with myself and I notice things. And I, and because of that, guess what else I'm in, more in tune with? My relationships, my life, my people. I'm a better friend. Mm-hmm. I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. All because of surrendering my body and just saying I am what I am. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I love that. Um, yeah, because sometimes I am concerned about the ways in which scripture could like reinforce how much your weight matters. Mm. And that can be really painful for people who are trying to take care of themselves and honor their faith. Interesting. So the way that you are presenting it, I think it's really helpful to me in hearing it. And it's something that I'm going to carry um, with me in my work and working with um, and working with other people. Um, and my friend, Leslie, who I mentioned earlier, she is... Um, she's a story in the book and she's a strong person of faith. And, and, and we've talked about, um, and, and she's a great person that can help sort of reframe, um, how you can carry on with your sense of connection to God and how you care for your body without it being centered around weight loss and appearance, um, messages that we get from culture. Yeah. And I mean, I, oh, I just hate that script. Like, cause to me, scripture has, it's funny. I guess we all come to the Bible with different things, but to me, scripture has only reinforced this decision. Like, especially mm-hmm. in Romans where it talks about the law and like the law was good. Like, so I think of the law as like nutrition, like it's good that we know what foods are good for us. Right. Like that's good information, but, but that none of us could keep the law. And it's true with diets. Like we can't keep yeah. up that, but it all turns into, and then it, the whole like uh, trajectory of that passage is so Jesus came and like, we have his Holy spirit, which is guiding us. And so I've just seen that as such a parallel between like, I got this information of what was good and bad and like how to care for myself. And then I am surrendering to the, the guidance I have in God and the guidance I have in my body. And those have just been parallel to me as like, see, like I can't, I can't live in a law based way over here with my food mm-hmm. and be surrendered to Jesus his spirit in me guiding me. Those are two different yeah. things. And, and I feel like spiritually it wasn't working. Cause it's like, I can't be micromanaging food over here and have this very like hard thing. And then also be like, but I'm surrendered to Jesus and I'm not under the law anymore. Yay. It's like, those don't go together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love it. No, that's good. We'll yeah. put that passage in the show notes. Cause I just yeah. really jumbled it. Um, <laughs> you did. But it's, it's well, and then the can message. I read one? Yeah, this is please. one that Leslie taught me. So yes. it's Romans 12 two. do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't think God, I mean, I'm not going to speak for God, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> I know I'm well enough to think he doesn't want us all to be running around weighing almonds. I don't think that's what yeah. he's <laughs> 
<laughs> you only get eight. <laughs> you, it is. It's because Obama said he ate eight almonds one time in an interview. Did y'all read, like, when Obama was president, it was like he would, like, go in his study and eat eight almonds. And that was, like, mm-hmm. his thing. And it's like, I don't know. It's like a thing. Eight almonds. Um, eight almonds. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, it worked for him. But, <laughs> well, I could literally talk to you all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. However, I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. The children. Mm. The children. We all have kids. We yes. tend to think it's like we need to model for our daughters, but we're modeling for our sons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I say modeling because I've learned the hard way that I can teach them, teach them all day, but I have to model because that's what yeah. they really pay attention to. So how, how do you suggest just sort of like, if a woman's listening to this and she's like, I don't even know if I buy all of this, but I do know that I don't want my kids to have the problems I do around food. Mm-hmm. What are some just suggestions or things that they could do? Yeah. So I think the first thing is you're right with the idea about modeling is key and, um, and what you, they're picking up on what you do on a daily basis. And so it's, you know, it's a parent's job to teach their kids, Hey, this is how we do it here. And these are our values. So yeah, you might think about, okay, so I want to model to have, um, you know, a variety of foods around. And I don't want to be restrictive around like no desserts ever, because then, you know, what's going to happen when they're sneaking, you know, cupcakes under the table at the soccer match, you know, like, and again, kids, am I safe or am I in danger? Am I good? Or I am, am I bad? Um, but even knowing just, like a family meal is at least two family members sitting down together. And yes, when you're able to think about nutrition, like, oh, what's an easy thing to add in? You know, we'll go ahead and add in the bag of baby carrots and ranch. And we've got some strawberries I'll rinse off. And we've got some, you know, frozen burritos that we're going to microwave and boom, dinner, right? Like something that's like, I didn't take any time, you know, like, let's not judge that. Here we are. And we're sitting down. And whether you add something like that, or it's just, cheese pizza. And that was all that was offered was cheese pizza in that moment, right? That by the act of sitting down and having a conversation and sharing your love and and, and kindness and connection with them, that there is modeling and healing and love in those scenarios. So all those opportunities really do matter. Um, Your kids will surprise you how soon they pick up the messages about their bodies. So both Mm -hmm. of my girls use the word fat at the age of three. I know they were very playful. And so we didn't spend a lot of time on it at all. Um, um, it was directed at me and they were squishing on my belly. Oh, are you noticing mommy's belly? Yeah. You know, you know, this is where I grew you and I love you so much. And honey, there's nothing wrong with fat. And so, and then by three, I mean, it was in and it was out, but that was more for me. Like I could be a brave parent and I can say, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because the reality of it is kids are being bullied right now in Mm -hmm. school for their size. That is a social justice issue. It is wrong. What do those kids need? We need school wellness policies that are rooted in eating disorder prevention that are rooted in anti-bullying. Yeah. Right. So that we are modeling in our school environment, right? That we do not tease anyone for any reason, including weight, but what is happening in some areas that kids get weight and get a BMI report card. So there's a lot of structural things to fix while we tolerate these 
injustices and take meaningful action to change them, speak up, use our powerful voices in the home. Remember the child mind. You are good. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's even if your child has thin privilege. My kids have thin privilege. And, you know, but it, you know, when I have an opportunity to, you know, you know, we don't judge other people. I'm like, you know, we, you know what, something, we don't really know anything about that person or about their health, you know? And so just keep talking. It's, it's, it is, I think we know by now, right? It's not the talk where you sit down one time and say one thing and then that's it. And that's the rule. It's, it's in all the little ways. And as you commit to your own learning and growing, just, just do the best you can do what you think is a values driven, how you want to help them make sense. And if there's a curiosity, you'll talk to them about it. You will get the answer because you're a resourceful parent and including if needed, you will help them get the support they need through counseling, you know, the right fit type helping professionals, because that's what you're going to do because you're a loving parent. So trust yourself that you got it. And it's not all on your shoulders too. I mean, I think about like, my mom was raised by a mom whose weight fluctuated and was always on enough diets. And then my mom, obviously, and like, this is no shade against my mom. She was doing the best she could, but she, she did transfer some of that to me and that fear. And it was out of like, not wanting me to struggle. I know that now, but I just say that to say, like, if you've messed up already, there's grace there. Like we can all, we can start now. And if your kids are 25 years old and you're like, I've screwed them up. I like, you can start now. And I think it all just goes back to that modeling and saying like, I mean, we talk about this, this is, this is the, I mean, this is Jesus. This is, I'm sorry, forgive me. I repent. Like, that's what it is. It's going to your children and being like, you know what? Like I said that and it was wrong and I'm sorry. And like, it's okay. And all of that. Mm. So I think, I think that's really beautiful. And I don't think you're ever too far gone on this stuff. And I don't think you've ever messed up too much, but we are their biggest influence, but we're not their only influence. So that's Mm -hmm. also helpful to remember. I think I love that. I think it's also helpful to remember um, that, that there is bullying of weight and but it, and body, but it's not just heavy. Oh uh, yes, because your kids are because very my thin. kids are very tiny. My kids, you know, speaking of the percentage thing, mm-hmm. like my son's not even on the chart, um, and he was failure mm. to thrive as a baby, and then he's not even on the chart. And then my daughter is like third percentile, so they're mm. tiny. Now my family is very petite, so part of that's mm. genetics. But even you, you look at my growth curve, if you will. When I was a kid, I was very average, and so my kids are very below average. And my daughter is nine and gets teased for being little. So it's mm-hmm. not just you it, look so small. You look so little how old are you again yeah yeah she gets asked all the time if she's in first grade when she's actually in fourth grade and it bothers her just as much as the person who gets called fat right so mm. it's this constant attention about what you look like and yes. so we talk a lot you know about uh, about diversity and how um god created everybody differently yeah um, and and they all were different for a purpose and each size has a purpose and we talk a lot about that and we also talk a lot about good and bad food because my daughter's very much like she's very like these are good these are bad and um mm. and I grew up in a household where and I was I I I like how you say thin privilege I was definitely thin privilege I've always have been but like my mom was very much yo-yo dieter and mm. she everything was good or bad good or bad like I can remember as a kid being like well I've had all my good food so now I can have bad food uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you know and um and that was just a way of saying, oh, you need to eat healthy food and then you can have a treat, but it was labeled as good and bad. And so I, it is, I, it is very intentional for me to say, 
I'm not going to say good and bad, like, but it's hard. I'll catch myself and I'll yeah. be like, you know, we're, we're, you know, bad food or whatever. Um, and this is good food and, you know, broccoli's good and brownies are bad. Like, um, I try not to say that, but like, I can catch myself sometimes saying things like mm-hmm. that. So I think we should have to be careful with our words. Yeah. I'm yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, no, and I was just going to say, and just be fully committed to learning and growing, you know, so, I mean, I would have loved to get the parenting handbook that would help me with everything, right? Right? Like, where's that handbook? So it's just know that as you work on yourself and reframing things that that is going to spill over into your child. And, you know, I just want to speak specifically, if you're a parent that's like, but, but, my kid always wants juice or, but, but my kid, it's always a fight for food in the cupboard. Like I want to make space for any concern you have about your child's eating patterns, um, you know, weight, no matter where it is on the spectrum, you know, so very similarly, it is okay to have concerns. And what I would, what I would guide you toward is healing attitudes and relationship to foods. Um, so for kids, um, the um, division of responsibility is a really well-rounded research-based approach where kids get regular access to a variety of foods and parents offer a structure around what comes in the house how uh, and when food is served and, and kids mm-hmm. are in charge of self-regulation. And, and there's a whole, that could be a whole podcast that you focus on just better understanding that, to be honest. Yeah. But just, just know that there's stuff out there. And here would be my one plea because there are actually, it bothers me to pieces that there are actually weight loss groups for kids. Like it's the parents of kids and they show before and afters and it's, it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. What I, what, here's what bothers me about, about it. It bothers me that we're centering weight loss as the expected outcome, as if it would happen for every child. And as if the, the weight loss is the benefit, not the healing relationship with food, right? So you can actually celebrate your child learning to enjoy, you know, plain water or some fruit flavored waters and moderating back on juice or, you know, um, you know, experimenting with vegetables and learning to like other vegetables. And you could celebrate these things that help you feel good as a parent, but it would be in centering the look at my, now my child's beautiful kind of, we -hmm. need to let go of that kind of things and focus on how kids care for themselves at any size and have concerns for their overall well-being and how they're making sense of the world and how they're talking to themselves. Um, Those are going to be some of the most important things that you could do for them. Yeah. yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. And thin privilege, just FYI for our listeners, it doesn't mean you're skinny, mm-hmm. right? It means that you're like, what's like the definition of that? It basically means that you can shop in an, a store without having to go to a special section. You can get one airplane seat. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. mean you're a thin person necessarily. Right. It, it, it's kind of like when you can realize that the world is kind of built for you. Yes. You know, so... I mean, I can complain about the comfort in coach, but I'm not going to have to ask for a seatbelt extender and I'm not going to have to worry and prepare and plan for who am I going to be seated next and how are they going to treat me on the flight? Yes. yes. So you know, to, yeah. so that would be an example. Or there are people who can't even go into a clothing store. It's not, oh, everything's ugly or it's too expensive. They literally can't go to the clothing store because they do not do not carry their size. Everything has to be online. So when 
Nordstrom started, they did a thing where they were billing people for returns or something. There were higher weight activists who were like, look, I love your clothes, but like, I literally can't get my sizes in your store. And if it doesn't fit or I don't love it, now I'm being penalized for having to send it back. How about you carry my size in your store? So that would be an example, like systemic yeah. thin privileges. It's it's not how you feel personally. Um, you know, and I do think it's something that is important to acknowledge um, as you do the personal work because it really helps you see that there is a social justice issue around body hierarchies yeah. that can help you in your own journey and just it's going to help somebody else too. And I think that we all would like to do more to maybe help others heal. And it's one little thing that we could do is acknowledge our, our size or appearance privilege when we have it. Yeah. I'm going to link, you did a really, really good couple episodes on just like the, I promise I'm wrapping up Um, (laughs) the, the racial implications of, um, I don't even know how to phrase this correctly, but you, you talked about how a lot of this, um, systemic, like social justice stuff is because like penalizing black bodies mm-hmm. and all Sa- of uh, Sabrina strings wrote, yes. um, the racial origins of fat phobia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm going to link to those because I found them so fascinating and it's true that we're, we're idolizing this very white. I mean, we're three white women talking, so I'm just trying to bring a little diversity in this conversation, but we're idolizing these white traditional, like if you want to put in air quotes, like thin bodies, but it's like all people are very different and different people carry weight differently and tend to be smaller or bigger or whatever. And how it also is just a, it's a white privileged thing too. It's like all of these things are converging into this ideal, but it's not just the patriarchy and it's not just, it's like also racism too. So I wanted to at least mention that and also link in the show notes. For sure. Definitely. Okay. Do you have anything? Are no, you officially done? I'm officially done. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have kept you here so long and I'm so Last grateful. call. <laughs> Don't give me a last call. I'll order like five shots. <laughs> Thank you Body so kindness. much. <laughs> yes, um, Rebecca's book will be linked in the show notes. We are very excited. It's really good. And I also one thing I really love about your book is that it's kind of laid out like a magazine. And so I find it really engaging. And mm. fun to read. Like, it's not like the clinical, like just typical sort of book that you read. Um, it's, it's really engaging the way it's set up and it helps when I have like monkey brain and I can't focus. I can always pick this up and kind of like focus on an infographic or something. So I appreciate it. You're wonderful. We will link to all your information in the show notes and thank yep. you so much for being here. Yes. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 